Welcome to The Founder's Mind. This is your host, Adam Mutchler. On this episode, I have Dale Pfeiffer, founder and CEO of Good World. From customer interviews to raising $4 million, Dale shares about her experience building a platform to create good in the world through donations, one hashtag at a time. Take a listen as Dale discusses the ins and outs of building a company. Welcome to The Founder's Mind. Thank you for having me. Great to be on the show. Um, I like starting just from your perspective and in your own words, you know, what what you're up to, what you're building with Good World. Um, just at a glance and the, what I do know, it looks incredible, but I think you'll probably tell the story mm-hmm. a little bit more effectively. Uh, so Good World is a social media payments company. So we make payments frictionless on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the web. Um, and we do a lot of uh, payments for charity. We went to market through hashtag donate on Facebook and Twitter. And we work with about three and a half thousand charities making their payments on social media instant. And now we work with uh, large uh, financial organizations, primarily MasterCard, PayPal and Twitter. Um, although Twitter is not a financial organization, but what we do with them is we either we're working with them to either scale philanthropy inside of those um, businesses or to provide social media payments technology um, that has been white labeled and marketed out to their clients. So you were one of the first uh, companies to do frictionless payments on on social media and certainly the first one to do it across platforms. So what we like to do is we like to create uh, one payment credential that moves with you as you move across the social media platforms and you can pay instantly. I can't even imagine how that works. I mean, like I hashtag donate, I get, um, I saw, I think I saw a blip earlier this year about MasterCard, which is awesome. Congratulations. I know that getting those partnerships is definitely a form of validation and it's a great sort of, um, at least generates, you know, some more awareness. How does it work? I mean, I have my phone mm-hmm. and a company runs a, 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 pro, uh, a, a campaign. How does it work for like uh, an everyday person that wants to donate? So we provide technology to the nonprofit and, and field and the financial institutions. So normally you would only use our technology as a donor. Got it. If you were, you know, you might wake up in the morning, you might be scrolling through your feed. Say you see a post from Save the Children or UNICEF or Oxfam or your um, dog charity that you support. And it says on Facebook, it might say comment hashtag donate and a dollar amount to give. And so right there in the comments, you can then just comment, hashtag donate, $50, uh-huh. whatever it is. And then it will, if you're signed up with us, it'll instantly come off your credit card Got and it. we reply with a thank you. If you're not signed up with us, we reply with a link. It's a quick one-time sign up mm. and then you're done. On Twitter, the way that the technology works is through retweeting. Essentially, a business or a charity will put out a tweet and they will say, uh, retweet to hashtag donate $20 or retweet to buy. Essentially, you'll retweet. And the first time, um, it's the same thing. If the first time, if you're in our system, it'll automatically, you know, be paid and and um, and uh, we'll tweet back a thank you. If you're not signed up, we tweet back a link. Um, and Instagram, it's swipe up. So, um on Instagram now there is a new feature oh, where you can stories. swipe up on Instagram stories. So it's swipe up uh, for to donate on Instagram. Um, we also created, uh, there's a 
donation and payment buttons that are essentially, once again, like two-click buttons um, where you can pay for something simply by clicking twice. Um, so, um, you know, our the company's called Good World and we built the this technology um, to create a better world, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's why we scaled it through charitable giving and now with regular payments. Um, what we're trying to do is to make sure that there is a gift to the world or humanity tucked up inside of every one of those payments, even if it's like 10 cents and you're buying a kid a meal that yeah, next totally. day. Um, and it's my great hope if... Um, with money that if we can give as well as we receive and even a very small way every time we make a transaction um, that will somehow create uh, create a more positive relationship with money this is amazing literally one of the issues with the podcast is you can't see expressions but like my forehead is like crinkled and raised because I'm listening to how seamless it sounds like you're making the donation process and engagement for donating uh, I find that amazing. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. It's a it's a very geeky passion, but it's a real passion of mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it begs the question, how did you get, like, where did Good World come from in your world? How did you get to, this is a thing, I want to do this, and I'm doing it? I, I mean, Good World, we're very much, as like a, it's very much a kind of a, a, a mission for me to do my best work that I can mm-hmm. while I'm here. My my mission as a kid was always to have the greatest kind of impact that I could on the planet and for people. And so very much for me, Good World is all a part of that mission. I was working in academia back in New Zealand. I moved out here to do some research at the Kennedy School and then ended up in the foundation and nonprofit world. And, you know, um, and then I as and then I kind of ended up thinking about, okay, well, academia wasn't the greatest platform that I could think of to create change. And then the nonprofit world, I wasn't sure about that either. So I kind of came to the for-profit world as kind of an experiment to see if you can create large scale sustainable sure. change. And I decided that I would call the company Good World first. I had no idea what it was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, um, you know, I'm, I am a researcher, so I researched massive behavioural trends in the philanthropic industry that I was working at at the time. And, yeah. and I saw that there was a large, um, there was a big uh, change happening in the terms of the way that people were paying for things, mm-hmm. going from money to kind of checks to credit cards to digital payments and, um, you know, 100% digital payments. And I just kind of had this insight one day working for this nonprofit in New York and I would see all these viral videos going around and I was like, wow, you know, and I, I and I saw this viral video one day of an Afghan educator and she, and I really wanted to help her, but I couldn't find out where to donate. And sure. I just sort of realized at that moment that you should be able to, pay instantly right there on the post and that technology was actually getting in the way of these types of donations happening. Yeah. And, you know, with them, that's when I kind of realised, oh, well, you know, if we could scale payments first on social media, then essentially we can create this kind of this new type of payment system where you can... You know, essentially, I mean, my dream was for every payment on social media to result in some kind of aspect of social good. Sure. Um, social payments, social good. Yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, that's essentially, I realized that all of a sudden there was this huge market gap. And if we could 
Um, uh, and then, you know, if we could, you know, I started with charitable giving because that seemed like a really good use case. And then, um, and then, you know, sort of realized also very quickly that, you know, if we could, if we could perfect the technology inside of philanthropy, we could then scale it to regular everyday payments. And that's where we started to get a lot of traction in terms of the venture community and things like that as well. Being able to show what the potential is, but sort of map it out with other industries. Yeah, because I, I mean, honestly, I thought that this America is an incredibly generous country. There's like $374 billion donated, I think it was last year in the US alone. Yeah. And I thought that was a big enough market. But apparently um, <laughs> when it comes to VCs, they like things with T's on them rather than B's. So, Thanks, you know, Apple and yeah. Amazon. Uh. <laughs> so there's um, in the US alone, there is a cut, you know, people are like three quarters of all purchase decisions now are inspired by some way off social media. Yeah. Um, and but there's this huge card abandonment problem, so people are getting inspired, and then you know they're putting Cart stuff abandonment up, yeah to the near tune of nearly two trillion dollars. So, you know the question, you know, you know the question that we ask is why are these people who are so clearly inspired to buy things inspired enough to put them in their card abandoning their card at such a high rate? Yeah, and that's and that's what our technology solves the problem to because it makes the payments instant on social media, so people can instead of like moving away from their favorite social media platform or even moving out of their newsfeed, they can remain in their newsfeed and pay for something instantly right then and there. Um, and so that's, yeah, so that's kind of why the VEGA community is so interested in it because there's this, this huge card abandonment problem. Yeah. Um, because now the shopping kind of process has changed and, um, you know, seeing us as a way to kind of really get underneath that problem and convert sales at a much higher rate. I can definitely see the allure of that. I will say that when I abandon a cart on West Elm, sometimes it works in my advantage to my advantage because then they start sending me discounts for the same thing mm-hmm. they're like hey you left this thing in your cart it's a little creepy but i'll allow it you know and like and then they're like would you like 10 percent off and then like a week later it might be like 15 percent off uh-huh. they have a threshold but um I, I i definitely can see that sort of like filling a cart up and leaving it and there's we get distracted you know where we live in a very distracted world mm-hmm. or uh, like i have to I don't have my wallet on me. It needs my credit card. It doesn't have my credit card saved. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier parts of transactions, every part of like a small part of every transaction doing something good, even like 10 cents. Mm-hmm. Is that so is is that sort of in conjunction with more of the consumer yes. side? Yeah. And that's something that we're working on with one of our strategic partners. Got it. So, um, and I can't talk about the details sure, sure, of sure. it yet, but um, that is something that through that strategic partner that you're going to be seeing more and more frequently is the ability for your payments to result seamlessly in some social good. Got it. Um, and providing options for that when you shop with, you know, through that financial yeah. vehicle. Yeah. It's like when I go to Whole Foods, there's always like a roundup or there's always a, a question about like adding a certain amount to a mm-hmm. donation, but being built in a little bit more. Being yeah, being built in. So every 
every transaction you can opt for every transaction to, to have a kickback for social good to buy somebody a meal or to plant a tree or yeah. whatever it is yeah most people make on average 50 transactions on their credit cards a month so 50 transactions on their credit card a month mm-hmm. so even if it's 10 cents per month if you get that at scale yeah. oh yeah i mean that's a huge amount of meals you can oh. now donate 10 cents and buy somebody a meal which i think is incredible so it's pretty amazing Mm -hmm. there i have uh friends that are traveling in bali right now and even not it's not 10 cents but even talking about like they're they're like take a picture like this was two dollars you know and like two dollars gets you a bottle of water in the u.s Mm -hmm. but two dollars gets you know a full meal in other countries and to your point 10 cents can be enough Mm -hmm. um to to make a difference i'm always curious you have this idea good world you have this sort of instinct that digital payments and creating you know less friction in the payment process um, for good was a potential what was the one of the first steps that you took to move from idea to something real um i think i mean as a first time entrepreneur i really didn't know what to do so i um gathered the people around me who knew more and just got online and you know the first thing I did was actually like you know wrote myself a kind of a business plan Mm -hmm. just to kind of get my ideas like set down I think you know the 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 business model and even the concept for Good World changed so dramatically over time because the first thing wasn't like a problem identification or the first thing wasn't you know anything but a desire to you know to to start a company that had a huge amount of impact Mm -hmm. so um so what did i do i think i googled the words good world and found myself a logo (laughs) (laughs) i love it and my i mean i was i'm very lucky my cousin um was, was the chief investment officer at the ifc at the time so he helped me a lot, like, sure. you know, just got, went around and sort of talked to everybody. But I did, you know, what I know how to do, which is essentially research. Yeah. So research how to build a – and it's one thing I wish I'd known about earlier is Lean Startup. Lean mm. Startup for anybody who is listening is a really uh, – a quick way to understand – whether or not you actually have a product. And, you know, I think the lean startup principles are really, really great yeah. for um, for uh, uh, anybody who's kind of, you know, launching their entrepreneurial journey. Totally. I mean, they, they run you through a series of questions and they make you think about certain elements of the idea, right? Yeah, and it's just all about like, okay, well, what is the, you know, say you had an idea to build like a, Formula One racing car, like what literally is the scooter version? Like, you know, <laughs> what is the hypothesis that you're testing? Yeah. And how can you gather evidence to support that hypothesis? And yeah. then once you've got enough evidence, um, how can you build the most basic version? Um, how much, yeah, the, the most basic version of your product? Sure. Um, without like investing a whole lot of money totally. and things like that. Because I remember the first product that we built was quite a far away from, it was solving a totally different problem to the end, to the yeah. problem that we ended up focusing on. Um, what's a piece of advice that you've gotten in your years as of a founder? I'm sure you've gotten more than one piece. 
um, that's really resonated with you that you found impactful? You know, I, and this is like, this is not, again, this is not a rocket science piece of advice, but I just always think it's about like a lot of life is about actually showing up. Mm. You know, like, and it can be so, you know, like you might wake up in the morning like, you know, but, or, or you might, you know, and showing up can actually just be kind of scary because if you keep showing up for something and keep showing up, you still might fail at it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me it was about just keeping just showing up for my company. Yeah. And every, I remember right at the very beginning, every spare moment I would spend, like, working on it, you know, going and talking to these nonprofits at the beginning with the customer interviews. I really didn't want to do that. It was super uncomfortable because I wasn't 100% sure what the company was going to be. But just... You know, showing up and doing the pitch events, showing up, going to pitch practice, just like, just keep showing up. And, you know, I think like we in everyday society kind of have this image of like what perfection is and we're all like trying to strive to be the perfect, you know, to, to get things perfect. Well, I would say that 50% is better than nothing and 50% is showing up often. I love that. So, um, no, that's, that's so good. And it's, it's actually a big part of, uh, a big part of the coaching, coaching work and conversations that, that I have with individuals and teams, right? It's showing up and also how are you showing up, mm-hmm. you know, and what are you bringing mm-hmm. to whether it's a conversation or to your office or to, and it can be personal too, to your, in your relationships, what are you bringing and how are you showing up mm-hmm. for these relationships um, and you mentioned, you know, the importance of relationships in your work. I, I love that point. Uh, and it's been echoed by by um, other guests. I mean, even Daniel Pink talked about something he learned in college or just out of college was that really just showing up regularly and working hard, not necessarily being smarter than everyone or knowing more than everyone, but just showing up very consistently mm-hmm. was a big differentiator in his success early on. You know, because people stop showing up. Yes. You know, even if they're smarter, even if they have more money, even if they have more whatever, people stop showing up. People stop showing up. And I mean, it's the same like in some of these big strategic partnerships that we have. You know, like, you know, for example, with MasterCard, that was actually the advice that was given to us by one of the guys at the first meeting we had. He goes, you know, some people will come in here and they'll come the two, three meetings whatever and then they'll just stop coming back and then you know a piece of work might come up that they could have done but we haven't seen them for four or five months and they haven't kept building the trust and the you know for us uh you know particularly with mastercard it took us really a year to really build the trust and the goodwill and you know amongst the kind of you know from c-suite down sometimes doing that you know, showing up again and again and again, just, you know, jumping on a train or a plane and arriving and being there. Yeah. I mean, it just it builds trust in a way that I think, you know, you, you couldn't. And so I think it applies on every type part of the business. Totally. There's a mantra that, that I really hold close, which is relationships precede results. You know, and I think that's a big, that's what building relationships is, showing up, like, like you said, and just being available and making yourself available. Obviously, not to the point of burning yourself out, mm-hmm. but you know, but but being intentional about that and and knowing and you know probably more than a lot of people at this point, you know that that certain results take time. 
Yes. You know, whether it's strategic partnerships, whether it's the sort of version that your business is in, you know, the size of your team, it just takes time. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I actually have a couple of friends that are in the creative space and I admire their work a lot. And I say every year that you continue to pursue your art, thousands of people are quitting. Mm. You know, thousands. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you become part of a smaller, smaller group. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just takes time. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't see what the end result is or feel sort of that, that really, that the value coming back to you. Mm-hmm. There's um, this one thing that Tony Robbins says, which is people, and I, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something like people overestimate the amount that they can get done in one year, but underestimate the amount that they can get done in 10 years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that, and I love that. And I think that's so true because sometimes, like, you know, the results can be so mind-numbingly slow and you just go nuts. You go, like, personally, quietly going nuts in your desk. But, you know, like, when you look back, when I look back over, you know, the four or five years that kind of since I started to have, you know, even though it's been frustratingly slow in so many fronts, like what we've managed to achieve is significant. So, I mean, over 3,000 customers is significant. You know, raising millions of dollars, regardless of the time span, is significant. Mm-hmm. You know, these are partnership with a company like MasterCard is significant. These are big things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is incredible. And I, to your point, it, it does take time. A lot, of, I get asked periodically, with this show, what's my goal for the founder's mind? And what I tell people right now is, I just want to get to 52 full episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to be at 50, the 52nd episode or the 53rd. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the goal. Like, not monetizing, not, you know, certain downloads. It's just, I just want to get all the way around the sun mm-hmm. and see what happens mm-hmm. and see where it is. And then let that, that progress and result inform Okay, well, what do I want to do next? Mm-hmm. You know, and this isn't my main business. It's a it's a small part of what I do. Right. Um, but I think to your point, you know, just whatever that goal is, letting it be just that mm-hmm. and seeing where you are, mm-hmm. either whether it's a calendar, like a year, or whether it's a certain amount of production. Mm-hmm. And seeing, you know, letting it tell you what it needs. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um we're we're getting close on time. I don't want to I don't want to run over. So one thing I am always curious about is who's a founder that you admire and why? Um You know, this is like probably a really really unpopular answer and probably not something you'd probably ex- you'd expect to hear from a female founder, but the guy from Uber, Travis. Uh-huh. I I admire what he has achieved as a as a founder. Okay. I mean, the guy totally went in and reshaped a whole industry, really, with Uber, the whole taxi industry. He created an app that allowed you to hail rides to where you come from and then created a whole new type of jobs and... You know, the amount, the effect that Uber has personally had on my life is huge. And I think, you know, the amount of people he's employed, the amount of rides that they've given, the amount of countries and, you know, just the rapid growth that they were able to achieve. And, you know, it's hard to be first, you know, and it's hard to change the way that people do things in in such a scale, in such a significant way. Mm 
And I know people really criticised that company for its hard driving, masculine culture. And there was that senior engineer that wrote that letter about how terrible it was to work there as a woman. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't condone any of those things, but I'm just here as somebody who's trying to change the way that people are paying for things. Yeah. To say that I think it is very difficult to build a company that can do that and sometimes that really hard driving masculine culture while not pleasant may have been part of what created this whole new industry yeah so he's actually one of my I think he's you know I don't know him personally I know that he has a lot of bad press and you know but I really do respect him as a founder yeah no I think it's it would be hard to argue the impact that his work has had at a, on a global scale. You know, and I think there are other founders that come to mind where there's the toxicity is there. You know, Elon Musk comes to mind, even Steve Jobs. You know, there were there were very toxic things sometimes happening at the at Apple. You know, from a work-life balance, from a work ethical standpoint, for how he re- reacted to certain employees. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to argue some of the changes or transformations that they have those people have had on a global level, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we're moving towards a world where we can have some of those transformational moments without that toxicity. And I think we're having bigger conversations about it. I think there's more accountability than there has been in the past. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree it's he, ma- massive impact despite, you know, some of that intensity. Mm-hmm. Dale, Thank you for coming on The Founder's Mind. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun. It was lovely to see you. Yeah, I appreciate getting the chance to talk to you and, and learn more about uh, what you're up to. Uh, parting parting comment and, and uh, sort of invitation for listeners. What's the best way for people to f- learn more about the work you're doing, if you have your own personal following, or about Good World? What's a great way for people to interact and, and sign up and learn? Um, on all the social media channels. Um, and uh, it's goodworld.me is the website, but you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, you know, people are always welcome to connect with me on any of the social media channels as well, Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, or Instagram are the ones that I normally use. So, cool. Oh, and Twitter, of course. Twitter. I mean. uh, <laughs> sorry, Jack, if you're listening. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Founder's Mind. One episode just wasn't enough. Check back later this week as Dale and I continue our conversation about her experience building and growing Good World. To make sure you don't miss any awesome wisdom from guests and stay up to date on the most recent episodes of the show, be sure to visit thefoundersmind.com. You can also follow along on social at The Founders Mind. Last but not least, thank you to Roy Matz for the music on this show and his dope editing skills that make The Founders Mind possible. Until next time, take care. through all of this insanity and try to bring new ideas make them a reality illuminate in the thoughts make it a priority to implement what you learn what you get is what you be in a world full of noise hard to find that clarity to try to lead subtly never full of vanity and try to change something small or try to change humanity power forward through the dark founder's mind is what you see 
mind is what you see. Founder's mind is what you see.